good is it to be in church on Christmas? No, it's not even Christmas. How good is it to be here for our Christmas service? So glad you're here. If you are visiting, you can make yourself at home. Don't go to the extreme of putting your feet on the seats, but you can relax. You can, this is a safe place. If you're not even a Christian, you're like, what is all this rubbish about? It's totally fine. You are okay to be here and we love you. Is that cool? So our Christmas theme for this year is God with us, right? Say it with me, God with us. I know you hate it when I make you say things. I'm going to try and minimize that today. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. God with us. What was your favorite subject at school? Just yell it out to me. What was your favorite? English, chemistry. What? Chemistry because you can blow stuff up. Anyone else? Huh? Recess is not a subject. Daniel. <laughs> uh, Kathy, what about you? Geography. Awesome. See, Kathy's the smart one. No matter what subject you loved in school, today we're going to talk a little bit about history. Did anyone love history? We're going to talk a little bit about first century history. Some of you are like, get me out of here. I hate history. I hated my history teacher. I don't care. Stay with me, okay? We're going to talk about first century history, particularly to do with what was the world like? What was happening when Jesus was born into the world? And why does that even matter? What does that even mean for us today? So if you've got your Bible, you can grab it and you can go to the book of Luke. And I didn't write a reference in here, but I'm going to say it's like chapter 2. Thanks, Steve. And it says this, in those days, Caesar Augustus, just say Caesar Augustus. This is an important name to remember. Issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph, uh, Jesus' dad, also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee, in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house of David and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, so she gave birth to her firstborn son and she wrapped him with clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Please ask me later why this is important, but I don't have time to talk about it today. I promise you someone will come and ask me. Why is that important? Why was there no room for them to stay? Verse 8, and the shepherds were living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, like we saw in that video, hey, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on peace, and peace on those to whom his favour rests. When the angels had left and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see these things that have happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and we'll, we will leave it there. It says at the, in verse 18, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. So four things I just want to talk about super quick today. Then Dan and Andy are going to like punch it out on the water slide. Who wants to see that? Yeah, I want to see that. It's going to be great. Just side note, 
Andy won the race last time, like a couple of years ago. Just throwing that in there. Who knows? Anything can happen today. (laughs) So four things we're going to talk about. (laughs) Enough from you. We're going to talk about the world, the difference, the coin, and the final say. We're just going to look at a little bit of history and talk about what does this mean for us? Because whenever we read the Bible, we want to ask ourselves, what did this mean for them in the day? What does it mean for us now? And what does it mean for me personally? We want to ask this every time, not just on Christmas, not just Christmas service, every time we read the Bible, what does this mean for me? What does it mean for us as a church? What did it mean for them? And so... When we read scripture, we just want to understand it well. Many of you will know that at the time of Jesus' birth, Rome was a superpower, right? And there is so much we could say about this, but suffice to say that they were not good dudes. Tell the person next to you they were not good dudes. Actually say they were bad dudes. (laughs) They were not good dudes. (laughs) They were violent and oppressive and greedy and corrupt and power hungry. And there were a few Roman leaders leading up to Augustus, who was in power at the time Jesus was born. And you can Google this, any, any history book, Roman history book will tell you this. Um, there are a few important figures that we just want to talk about real quick before we get into this. The first is Julius Caesar, who believed that he was God in human form. Hmm. Does that sound familiar to you? He was God in human form, God in flesh, God incarnate. Then there's Caesar Augustus, and this is Julius Caesar's adopted son. And we read, we've just read about him in Luke. And then we have Herod the Great. And Herod is spoken of not just in the Bible, but like heaps of historical sources. If you want to Google, you should just check it out. It's really interesting. If you love history, if you love geography, don't worry about it. <laughs> so Herod is like, he was a lunatic, like a crazy dude. He was also a bad dude. He actually had three young children. And he, he actually killed his own children because he had a dream that the ch- in, in the dream, his children, like they took power from him and they started ruling the land and he didn't want that to happen. So he actually killed them and it's really crazy and sad, right? What a, he was also really smart, very smart. So he figured out if I can move this mountain a little bit, I'm not sure of the geography of this, but if I could move this mountain around a little bit, I think I could provide drinking water for everybody. Um, for 10 years, even in a drought. And he did that, and it was incredible. So he was very smart and very amazing, but also a crazy person, also a lunatic. <laughs> and he died just after Jesus was born. So Jesus probably would have been four years old when Herod died. So the Romans are ruling the world, and it's like not in a good way, right? It's not in a good way. People are terrified all the time. Slavery is a thing. It's at an all-time high. Atrocities are happening, and it's like normal. And this is the world that Jesus was born into. This is the kind of place that Jesus was born into. Maybe you feel uncertain. Who's a parent here? Maybe you feel uncertain like right now (laughs) about our crazy world and all the things that are happening in it. I can assure you (laughs) that Mary and Joseph would have felt the same, but probably to a greater degree because things were wild. So Jesus was born into a time that it wasn't easy It wasn't straightforward, it wasn't ordered, and it wasn't safe. And this is just the truth of the matter. So when we talk about God in the person of Jesus entering the mess of humanity, this is not inconsequential mess, this is not minor mess, this is crazy. And God is like, we need to do something about this. And this is the kind of place that Jesus, the the kind of um, place the world is when Jesus enters the world. Great, Carrie. I could have Googled this on my own, you might be thinking. I hate history. What's the point of this? I'm definitely glad you're asking that right now in your mind. 
we're going to talk about the difference, the difference, because I think it's important to understand the difference between Augustus, which really today, and as we will talk about, represents um, all that we feel is maybe not right with the world, and Jesus, the difference between Augustus and Jesus. And um, there is one guy, one Roman historian, his name is Virgil, great name, who's having a baby? Virgil is the name. (laughs) You should call this baby Virgil. And he says about Augustus, he says that Augustus would bring peace and goodwill to all men. Where have you heard that before? And that he would free men from fear and that he would establish a kingdom of peace. So Augustus actually said many things like this. And that language is familiar to us, isn't it? Prince of Peace, King of Kings, this, lang- this is the language that Caesar used to make his like, dictatorship feel good and divine and you know, like it was a wonderful thing. So how did Caesar do this though? And this is the difference, this is important. Caesar offered peace but by force. There's this one time that Jesus says to the people, I will give you peace but not as the world gives. So everyone, you've probably heard that before if you've been in church forever. And so what, that is, what Jesus is actually saying there is, I will bring you peace, but not like the government, not like Augustus, not like you have known before, not peace by force, like everyone obeys the rules and that's why there's peace. Jesus is like, I will give you peace and it will sustain you and it will rule and guard your heart. So this is the difference. How amazing. Augustus, fear, tyranny, control, oppression. And Jesus is like peace, kindness, even to your enemies. No one else has said this ever. Jesus is the first person to say, love your enemies. Love it or hate it, this is something that he said. And it's, it's, it's easier said than done, isn't it? So the dynamic of Caesar's way compared to Jesus' way is actually striking and amazing. It's amazing. And not much has changed for us today. The world we live in, it does idolize control, right? We like to be in control. Who loves a good spreadsheet? You love to be in control. You love to know what's happening. Kesha, I see that hand. (laughs) We do love to be in control. We idolize greatness. And we do use force to achieve things. Our governments use force to achieve things. And it leaves us unsatisfied in so many ways, in so many ways, because we're trying to find something within ourselves and within our culture and within our government and whatever you want to call it, that only Jesus can give. (laughs) Only Jesus can bring this kind of peace. Only Jesus can bring this kind of order in our hearts. And so this is a huge difference. So in Luke, what we just read, we're seeing that in that culture, when that was written, Um, everyone is like, great, is that what God is like? Like, peace by force, you know? They're hearing these words of Augustus and they're like, oh, awesome, great, yep, here we go. So you can imagine when the shepherds were like, good news of great joy, they're like, we've heard this before. (laughs) Great, we've heard this before, but this is the difference. This is the difference between the world and Jesus. And Jesus is so good and so amazing, and it is a massive difference. So everyone's like, great, this is what God is like, but they're thinking God is forceful, he's not compassionate, he doesn't show mercy, he's unmoved by humanity, and he gives us no choice of freedom. And then Jesus is born, Merry Christmas! And they would have been like, Merry what? And God, who is real today, and he's present with us today, God with us is our theme. God is with us today in the person of Jesus. God with us. He wants to love the world and he's actually screaming, no, God's not like that. 
This is what God is like. Jesus, full of peace, full of grace, full of truth. This is what God is like. And I can imagine Jesus being born into this world and just wanting to shout from heaven, this is what God's really like. This is what I'm really like. How amazing. Try not to cry. And that is Naomi's fault. (laughs) So Augustus, fear, tyranny, control. Jesus, peace, kindness, forgiveness, freedom. How amazing. What is the point of all of this? What's the point? No matter what the world or even what Christians have taught you about Jesus, he is so much more wonderful. If this is your first time in our church today, I just want you, even if you like were hurt in our church or you don't even think our church is that cool, that's fine. Jesus is that cool. He is so wonderful, more than anybody could tell you, more than what people say who, you know, they know of Christians and maybe they've been jerks. Jesus is wonderful. He is wonderful. So if you have issues with the church, it's cool. So do I. But please get to know Jesus. Jesus. Church is not Jesus. Church is not God. Jesus is wonderful and beautiful and he's our saviour. And he's kind and amazing. (laughs) Find out for yourself. Find out for yourself. If if you have never considered following Jesus or you stopped following Jesus because of another Christian or a dodgy church, I just want to urge you this morning, today is a good day to just rethink that. Not for the sake of church, but because Jesus loves you and he's the best thing ever. (laughs) Okay, next thing we're going to talk about, back to some more history. We're going to talk about the coin. Thanks, Steve. So in Jesus' day, it wasn't wasn't easy to get news around. So they didn't have Facebook. They didn't have no social media, nothing like that. No videos going viral of someone having skateboard accident, nothing like that. The only way that one of the only ways that people knew what is an actual edict from the government or what is just a lie being told by like a tax collector, for example, for their own gain, is they would put news, they would put truth on coins like this one. And so you can see this one. The the first side, it says Caesar Augustus. And um, the second side, this is Latin. And it says, um, God saves. And so what this coin is trying to communicate to everybody, everybody who comes into contact with it is, Augustus saves. (laughs) Augustus is God. Augustus saves. So because people are not perfect and not truthful all the time, the people in villages and towns and in Jesus' day, they found it hard to distinguish. And this was one way. Um, So we don't have Caesar in our lives anymore, right? We don't, except for the salad. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Baching. What does that sound? That one. <laughs> but if you're human, it's impossible to deny that there are pressures and voices and standards coming at us, right? All the time. All the time. And it's like if there was a Caesar in our day, it would be those things. Dictating, um, controlling all of these things. The opposite of everything that Jesus is. The opposite of everything that Jesus is. So, there's... There's a good question that I think we can ask ourselves, ourselves today, and that is, which ones are the boss of you? Which voices, which influences are the boss of you? Which ones are dictating your choices, your mental state, your foundational beliefs about yourself? That's so important, isn't it? Hugely important, how we believe about ourselves. And this is the very reason that Jesus came, 
God with us. Not just to deal with Caesar Augustus, but to deal with every Caesar ever that would be in our lives. Every Caesar that would dictate control. Every Caesar that would try and tell us, this is what you are, this is what you're not. This is the reason Jesus came. God with us. God with us. And Jesus tells a different story about ourselves, doesn't he? He tells a good story. We're loved and adopted into his family. So lots of Christians are Christians because they want to go to heaven. And like, that's a pretty good perk. I'm not going to argue. But that's not the whole deal with Jesus. That's not the whole deal. We don't just follow Jesus so that because we're afraid <laughs> that we won't go to heaven. We follow Jesus because Jesus is the one who will get rid of all the Caesars in our lives. Jesus is the one who will bring peace to our lives now, not later. We want to know Jesus now and Jesus will um, transform our lives now. So we don't need to wait. How amazing is that? Because is anyone like, I don't know if I could even handle singing worship songs for a thousand years in heaven? Just be honest. Great. Thanks, Ronnie. It's me and you. (laughs) Look, this is a whole other story of what heaven might be like. But suffice to say, Jesus didn't come as a person and forgive you of your sin just so that you could go to heaven. He came as a person to accept you, to love you, to adopt you into the family of God and to help you in your life now, in your life today, fully loved, fully accepted as you are today. Hope and peace today, not just in the distant future. So if the message of Jesus is good news for every human, and I believe that it is, no matter what sex you are, no matter your mental health history, no matter your nationality, all of these things that we use to divide ourselves, if Jesus is this good news, then I think he's worth considering. If you have never considered today, just consider. You don't have to become a monk. No one's asking you to do anything crazy. Just consider the truth of Jesus. If Jesus was real, if Jesus was true, and he is, what would that mean for me? Just reconsider. It's just a time to reconsider today. If the perception that you have is, I'm afraid of being a Christian because it means that I have to look or act a certain way, nothing could be further than the truth. Dave Batiste, Exhibit A. (laughs) That wasn't in my notes. I just thought of that now because you're awesome. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter your behavior to a degree. It doesn't matter if you wear no shoes in church even. Who's wearing no shoes today? Oh, good job, you guys. (laughs) It feels like home. Acts like family feels like home. Amen. It doesn't matter. God is not concerned about any of these things. He's concerned about knowing you. And he sees your heart. He knows who you are. It doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. So the most well-known scripture in history. I'm sure you already know what I'm about to say. It's that it says that God loves the world and that Jesus has been given to us so that when we believe in him, we have eternal life. Now, your Bible might say eternal. It might say everlasting. When we look at the original language, this is really cool and really important. What are the elements of this word everlasting or eternal? If you can pop the next one up, Steve. Cool. Unending as contrasted with that which is brief or fleeting. And then it says the unique quality or reality of God's life at work in the believer. This is the life that Jesus offers 
It's not just about heaven when we die. It's about the reality of God at work in our lives today. And nothing could be cooler than that. How amazing. How amazing. God loves you and he wants to help you. Amazing. So God in his mercy and his kindness, he enters this Roman context. And Kesha might get you to come wherever you are. And he says, I know that you've heard that Caesar is Lord. That chaos is Lord. That disappointment is Lord. Whatever it actually is for you today. That fear is Lord. I know you've heard these things, but I'm saying that Jesus is a better way. That Jesus is Lord. I'm saying that Jesus is Lord. And he has the final say. Jesus has the final say. If we had no other historical context for any of this, although it is very vast and very helpful, if you have the brain to do lots of research into it, and if we had no other way of understanding why Jesus being born matters, we could say this. Are you ready? Christmas is about the love of God having the final say in a world that feels hopeless. This is God with us. God with us. Just like Jesus was born into a time that wasn't easy and it wasn't straightforward and it wasn't ordered and it wasn't safe, we can feel the same. I get it. I have felt like that that many times this year. What a crazy couple of years we've had together, hey. But Jesus is here to say, no longer will death and sin and hopelessness have the final say. That's not all there is. That's not all there is. That's not the final say. Jesus is so much more wonderful. God is saying, I've know you, I know you've heard that fear is Lord, that not being good enough is Lord, but I'm saying there's a better way. That's what it means to be a Christian and to follow Jesus, that none of those other things matter anymore and you can leave them all behind. You can let them go. Why don't you stand with me? Today we're going to pray together. Before we have the water slide wars, it's going to be fantastic. Maybe you just bow your head and close your eyes with me, just as we pray. So if you're not a Christian here today and, and you're like, okay, I'm, uh, Jesus sounds awesome. Yes, you're right. He is awesome. Jesus sounds awesome. I think I, I'd like to give this a go. I'm ready to follow Jesus. Then I'd love to pray for you this morning. You know, for love to have the final say in your life from now on, from peace, for peace to have the final say in your life from now on. I want to pray with you. And I also want to pray for you. Like if the coin, I want you to imagine if the coin of your life currently says fear is Lord, disappointment is Lord, offense is Lord, whatever it is for you today. And today you want to bring Jesus back into the center of your life. I want to pray for you too, because we've all been there, right? Every person in this room, we've all been there. And what a better time. There's no better time than Christmas to turn back toward God who loves you. Who wants to know you? Who wants to help you? So let's pray. If you're one of those people, you're like, yes, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to make a turn towards God. Then just wave your hand around just so I can see you and put it back down. Awesome. Great decision. And if you're here today and you've been a Christian forever, but you're like, I need Jesus to be back in the center, to be back on that coin. Jesus is Lord, not fear, not disappointment, none of those things. Then I just want you to wave your hand at me. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Great. Thank you. You can put your hands down. So we're not going to do anything weird right now. We're just going to pray together because we're a family. Is that cool? Awesome.
So Lord, I want to pray for these people who have said, yes, I want to know Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. I want to know the peace and the grace and the goodness of what God is really like. Lord, I thank you for them now. Lord, I pray that as this journey unfolds, Lord, with their friend beside them today or whoever they came with or whatever the circumstance, Lord, I pray that you would open their hearts and minds to know you, Jesus. God, I pray that you would lead them in a clear way so that they would know your goodness and what you're really like. And Lord, I also want to pray for those of us here who there's been something else on the coin. Maybe disappointment, maybe uncertainty, whatever it is, God, you know. And Lord, I just want to pray for those who would say, I want Jesus to be Lord again. I want to take that turn back toward God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are at work in this moment. Lord, I thank you for those who have decided to follow Jesus today. I thank you for those who have decided to turn back toward God, who loves them, who will protect them, who knows them. We love you, Lord. And as this family here today, we just say, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we love you. We're so glad you came. And we just remember again today that you are Lord. We remember your goodness. We remember your kindness to us, God. And over these next couple of weeks, while we're all doing whatever we need to do for Christmas, Holy Spirit, would you just remind us again of what this is all about? While we're with our families, while we're eating our food, whatever we're doing, Lord, would you help us to just be aware of your presence? And we just say with full and grateful hearts, we love you, God. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for how you've looked after our church over this year. God, how you have led us, how you have just guided us through this crazy time. We just acknowledge your goodness to us. We acknowledge your leading and your protection. Lord, I thank you for how we've grown as a family. And I pray even more that this would continue into next year. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.